Well, welcome Orchard Hills. How's everybody doing? All right. Well, we're happy to have you here this morning. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, my name is Sutton Wirt. I serve as one of the staff, pastors on staff, and we're excited that you're here to open the Word of God. Uh, before we really get rolling this morning, um, we've got some of our own who are in the Dominican Republic who would like to say hi. Scott, our lead pastor, uh, is there. His wife, Carolyn. Kevin, who does uh, youth and missions for us here. Um, Warren Grossclose, his wife, Sarah. Uh, Troy, Kinser, Greg and Tamara Bell. Dio, uh, who leads Pathway Dominicana and is a close friend of many of ours. Um, and then is also uh, Matt Mears, Brandon Mercer, some friends that are church partners down in North Carolina. So guys, welcome. How are y'all doing? Doing well. <laughs> That's awesome. What Thank are you guys you doing in the DR? Well, uh, we're here with, again, as we've got our team here, we've got our, our friends, our partners in ministry here from various churches, and uh, we're great, really uh, grateful that we can connect with you all and continue to be a part of all of this. That's awesome. So what do you guys have planned for your week in the DR? So we're going to be leading a pastor's conference here, and we're also going to be continuing to uh, just help build this facility that we've been so blessed with here with Pathway. Hopefully we're going to begin the work on a, on a safety wall around the complex. That's awesome. Sounds like a fun-filled week. Um, one of our own, Troy Kinser, was in the hospital last night, but he's doing okay. Is that correct? Uh, he's doing better. He's still in the hospital, so you could be praying for Troy. He had some kind of allergic reaction or something caused his face to swell up and his throat to close. So it was a really scary time, but thankfully Kevin and Dio were there to take him to the hospital and watch over him while, while I uh, slept soundly. <laughs> <laughs> incredible, incredible. Well, before you guys go, could we pray over you and pray over Troy and, and the week before you? All right, that let's do it. Y'all join with me. Well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask um, just your, your blessing and your presence now on uh, Scott and Kevin, Dio, the whole team that's there in the DR. Lord, we know that you've gone before them, um, that you have good works that you've planned for them to do. And so uh, thank you that they just get the joy of walking in those things. And so I pray uh, that they would be just trusting and resting in you and that you would use them uh, to bring the gospel and good news and hope and new relationships and connections to many this week. Lord, we pray in particular for Troy that, um, Lord, we thank you that he is, he is okay and he's recovering, and we pray um, that you continue to heal his body and that you would uh, see him out of the hospital uh, this very day and that he'd be able to get back to uh, helping and doing what you've called him to do. So we pray your every blessing over our team, over Dio and Pathways Dominicana. We pray uh, that you would prosper that ministry so that your kingdom might grow and that many might know you, Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Great to see you guys. See you, son. Do a good job. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, get out of here. <laughs> All right, guys. So um, that's our team from the DR. It's pretty exciting that we can, uh, we can do that. So in a few weeks, um, we will be starting a new series on the Sermon on the Mount um, we'll be there for some months. I'm really excited about that. But today, as we're just getting started with the new year, um, we are going to be uh, looking at the book of the Psalms today, uh, the book of Psalms. So if you have a Bible, grab that, open up. If you open right in the middle, 
you will probably find yourself at the book of Psalms. Um, the Psalms are wonderful. One of my favorite sections of scripture. Um, they tell uh, kind of the story of God's people, of how God brought everyone out of Egypt, but it's through song. All of the Psalms are songs to the Lord written by God's people. Um, but today, obviously we don't have those original tunes, but the people of God for thousands of years has still used these words to pray to God, to sing to him, to express their love when they don't know what to say. So I'm excited to open up the Psalms today. We're going to be in the most popular uh, and well-known of all the Psalms, Psalm 23. Um, many of us know it by heart. Uh, we've heard it since we were little. Maybe even if you're not familiar with the Bible, um, you might have heard it in a movie or at a funeral or uh, in a hospital room. Um, but Psalm 23 is where we're going to be today. This is on page 544 um, of your church Bibles, if you, if you don't have one with you. Um, Psalm 23 is really an incredible psalm. Uh, it's really a work of art. It is short and simple. It's only six verses, but the scope of it has this, this power um, to really connect with all kinds of people in all kinds of different situations. And throughout, throughout the history of the church, um, it has brought hope uh, to the people of God and great comfort. Dane Ortland even calls it perhaps the most famous poem in the history of the world. It's pretty amazing. And yet, and yet, even though we have heard it, and some of us love it, and most of us respect it, I wonder whether many of us actually believe it. As one person said, you can know Psalm 23, but still not know the Good Shepherd. And I would say you could even know the Good Shepherd, but not allow him to shepherd you. Most of us, many of us, live like God is not our shepherd. And Psalm 23 are just some pretty words. This is true for me as well. Um, in the fall, I had a season where I was saying yes to a lot of things. Um, and there were just a lot of responsibilities and homework assignments and events that were falling on my plate. Um, and as the months went on, I got to the place where my soul began to feel uh, kind of numb. And I really struggled to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. Um, and so through Psalm 23 and through a lot of other things and a lot of other people, um, the Lord brought me back to himself, reminded me who he was, who I am, and I was able to hear his voice again. And so I'd like to share today some of the things that I've learned and that the Lord has shared with me through Psalm 23 and just pass those on to you. Um, and this, this is where I'm going today. Through this psalm, I believe the Good Shepherd is offering us three things today. His rest, his presence, and a feast. And so we'll talk a little bit about each of those things as we see them in the psalm. And then I'm going to share um, a practice for each of those things, a spiritual discipline that we can begin to uh, practice to actually take hold of these gifts that the Savior is giving us. So I'd like to pray again, if that's all right. Um, and I would invite you, I'm, I'm just going to, after I pray, I'm going to move into Psalm 23. And so I'd invite you to, if you'd like, just keep your eyes closed, maybe open up your hands and let the words of this psalm wash over you. Um, so let's pray together. Well, Lord Jesus, we have sung of your praises. Um, we, even today, are joined with brothers and sisters um, across 
the ocean who um, are looking to you and trusting in you and hoping in you today. And so, Lord, we turn now to your word. Um, There are words of life that you've given us, Lord, and we want to find you there. And so I pray, uh, good shepherd, that you'd speak to every one of the people gathered here and watching online today, that we would all um, get to know you better and that you'd reveal uh, yourself to us. This is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Some translations say, I lack for nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, um, one of the first things that stands out about this psalm to me is that it goes against the grain of our independent, self-sufficient culture. The first thing that we're confronted with when we get to the psalm is that God is our shepherd, which means that we are his sheep. Yeah, it's not exactly a compliment. Um, (laughs) We are his sheep. We don't like to think of ourselves that way. We like to think that we have it all together, that we can do this, that we don't need any help, that we can push past our human limits and do even more than people before us. But the psalm immediately confronts us with the fact that we are needy, independent creatures. We cannot live this life without someone helping and guiding us. We need a shepherd to protect us, to care for us, to lead us down the right paths and to show us where they are because we don't know where they are on our own. That is a humbling reality. And so let's look uh, at three things that we need from the Lord that he's offering us through this psalm. The first is this. The Lord is offering us his rest. And the spiritual practice to go along with that is Sabbath. So, this is another thing that is immediately striking about Psalm 23. It's really pretty counterintuitive. The psalm does not begin where you and I begin, where we begin our days or our work or a project or, or any of that. When we Where we begin is with our lack. We start with our need, our deficiency, our want. And then that takes us immediately to what we need to do about it, what we need to do to be productive, to get it done, to make it happen. But surprisingly, this psalm begins by saying, I don't want for anything. I lack nothing. I have everything I need. It begins with the image of a sheep being fed and watered, cared for, rested, refreshed. And friends, I believe this, that that God is inviting each of us to begin each of our days this way as well. God is inviting you to start your day not 
from your deficiency, but from his sufficiency. God is inviting you to live not from your poverty, but from his abundance. God is inviting us to work not from our weariness, but from his rest. Friends, this is exactly what the gospel, the good news of Jesus is all about. The gospel says that all we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned aside to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In the New Testament, Jesus claims to be the good shepherd that Psalm 23 is talking about. He bore our sin on the cross. He died so that we would not have to suffer the punishment that our sins deserve. And he rose so that we could rise to a new kind of life, a new way of living, a way that doesn't look like our culture. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me and rest. And so our life in Christ, and I believe every day with Christ, should begin not with our work, but with his. Not with our performance, but with his performance. Not with our lack, but with his abundant provision. It is in Jesus that you and I can truly say, even in the mess of our ordinary everyday lives, I have everything I need. In Christ, we have everything we need. So, how can we begin to actually live that way? Well, here's the first spiritual discipline or practice that I want to recommend and challenge you to try. Um, and it's the discipline of Sabbath. Sabbath. Sabbath is a Hebrew word, and it means to stop. Um, and the idea of Sabbath comes right from the story of creation, that God made the heavens and the earth and everything in them in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested and enjoyed what he had made. He stopped his work of creating and rested. And so here we find that this rhythm is woven into creation, that God has designed the world and us to work this way, that we would, that we would, rest for, that we would work for six days and then rest for one. This is why even our calendar week has seven days. It is woven into the fabric of creation. Later in the story of the Bible, when God brings his people Israel up out of Egypt, he gives them afresh the gift of the Sabbath. It's uh, in the Ten Commandments. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And even though they're wandering in the wilderness, even though they're deeply in need and, and dependent, and it would make sense for them to work as much as they could to provide for themselves and give themselves what they need, even there, God says, no, every seventh day, I want you to rest. I want you to stop your usual labor, rest in my care, delight in my good gifts, and worship me. John Mark Comer defines Sabbath that way as stop, rest, delight, and worship. And so friends, I would like to invite you today back to the gift of Sabbath. In our world, this is completely counterintuitive. In our culture, we get ahead by working hard, we prove ourselves by our performance. We get our value from overworking and overproducing and not stopping. For many of us, it's a badge of honor to work without ceasing, to get by on too little sleep, and to always be reachable and available. But we were not made to live that way. We were not made to live that way, and it is killing us. I was humbled into this realization in November 
Um, in the eight or so, and in the eight or, eight or so weeks since then, we have been attempting to practice Sabbath as a family. Um, so we're by no means professionals at this. Um, it is a hard and difficult thing. We're just kind of uh, stretching our wings. Um, so don't hear me speaking as a professional, but as a fellow disciple who's trying to follow Jesus in this way. Um, additionally, this will look different for everybody. Ideally, the Sabbath is Sunday, the day when we meet with the people of God to worship. Um, but for some people, that's just not possible. And so the principle is this, that you stop your usual activity, your regular labor, in order to rest, delight, and worship God. This is not laziness. Uh, this is not just vegging. It's not even self-care, really. This is a humble submission to confess that your life does not ride on your performance, that you are not in control, that you are a needy, dependent sheep, and Jesus is our all-sufficient Savior, our shepherd who provides for our needs. That is the belief we put into action when we practice Sabbath. So for us, sometimes we'll do sunset to sunset, um, sometimes we'll do waking to sleeping. Sometimes we can only manage half a day or so where we can block off to, to rest and worship the Lord and be together. But our goal during that time is to do things that reconnect us to God and reconnect us to one another. So we block off time on our calendar to not do our regular work. Um, we try to turn our phones off so that we can be present with one another. We might eat pizza so no one has to cook, or somebody might make a big breakfast because that feels like a, a celebratory thing. Um, we read some scripture and we'll sing some worship songs as a family, um, and then we'll get outside and play some games or any number of things that might reconnect us to God and to each other. The main thing is this. We attempt to carve out space where we rest in the reality that God is our provider and where we give ourselves permission to not be productive. This is the gift of the Sabbath. And I believe it is an essential way in which the Lord wants to be our shepherd. And so I challenge you to give it a try. So that's the first one. And here's the second gift. Uh, I believe the Lord is offering us in this psalm and a way that you can practically take hold of it. Number two, the Lord is offering us his presence. Uh, and the spiritual practice to go along with this is one hour a day with your phone off. That idea, uh, this habit, is from Justin Early in his book, The Common Rule. So the story of the Bible is the story of God who created us for relationship, coming after the people who rebelled against him and broke that relationship. The whole movement of the Bible can be summed up with the words, God with us. From beginning to end, there is this story of God coming to get back his people, to get back his bride, to bring us back into his presence where we can live in the flourishing, connected way that we were meant to live. This is exactly what we see in the heart of Psalm 23. In verse 4, it says that even in the darkest of valleys, you are with me. You are with me. This is a promise from God, and this is the, the gift that he is offering us today. He is offering us his presence. But again, we struggle to receive it. We struggle to live in this reality. You and I live in a world that is more, has more connectivity 
than ever, but that is actually more lonely, isolated, and fractured than ever before. We have the illusion of being more places than we've ever been, but we end up actually not being the one place that we really can be here and now, the present. The present is the only place that we can experience God, and it is a place that we are meant to experience God with and through one another. But what is the number one thing that fractures our attention, that puts our heart and our mind in other places and causes us to be anxious, chaotic, and profoundly not present? This thing right here. Such a powerful device for communication. And yet these devices and the connection they bring actually can often tear us apart. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying the phone is evil. Um, I'm not saying technology is, is the devil. We just had a great connection with our friends uh, a long way from here through technology. But what I am saying is that it is a powerful tool that you must master or it will master you. Technology and our devices can be used for great good, but they can also be used for great evil. And so you have a choice. The danger of the phone is that while it can empower and accomplish much, it cannot make you more present to God and others in this moment. It cannot multiply your presence. It divides and fractures our presence and fractures our thinking and spreads our attention way too thin. How often do we ignore our children because we're looking at better houses than the one that God has given us? How often do we not hear our spouse because we're too busy looking at some vacation that somebody else is on? How often do we not look our friends in the eye because we're too busy playing a game or watching a reel or sending a snap? How often do we miss what God is doing here and now because we're too focused on what other people are doing there and then? Friends, it should not be so. And when we are constantly distracted and our attention is divided, then we cannot hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. And we, in essence, are refusing to allow him to be our shepherd. And so I'd like to invite you to the second habit to turn your phone off for an hour every day. Just an hour. It's not that bad. You can live without it. But it's incredible what happens when you just turn it off. Not, not merely set it down and put it away, but actually turn it off. And it's just no longer part of your thoughts. And you're here in this moment with God and with whoever he has put you around. It's a powerful discipline. For me, uh, I usually have recently been practicing this um, when I leave the office, I'll maybe listen to a worship song um, through my phone, and then I'll turn it off. And then I'll let the Lord speak over my day and prepare me to be with my family in the evening. Um, if there's an emergency, I'll turn it back on a couple hours later. Um, but I've been taking that moment, uh, those, those couple uh, hours, to just be with the Lord. And so give it a try. I, I would strongly encourage you. Living in God's presence with other people is what we were made for. It's what we'll be doing for eternity, and it's what we were made for. This is one of the gifts that our shepherd wants to give us today, his presence, but too often we refuse to allow him 
to shepherd us and to receive that gift. And so instead of God being our shepherd, oftentimes, unfortunately, it might be more accurate to say that our phone is our shepherd. That our phone is the one leading and guiding and directing our lives. The one that has our gaze and our attention more than any other. And so with that in mind, as the staff this week, we rewrote Psalm 23 um, to bring this to light. Um, And by we, I say, that's all of us staff people, but mostly John, um, because he has a good knack for this sort of thing. So here you go. This is entitled The 23rd iPhone, an anti-psalm. My phone is my shepherd. I have an endless number of wants. It makes me lie down in anxiety with my mind racing. It leads me to empty and troubled waters. It destroys my soul. It guides me down dangerous paths for my own selfish comfort's sake. Even though I walk through good and lovely places, I will be constantly in fear of evil, for it is always with me. Its distractions and diversions fail to comfort me. It prepares a table of strife and division before me. Everyone becomes my enemy. It anoints my head with frustration, my cup, or my trendy pink Stanley. Runs dry. Surely brokenness and worry will hound me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in dissatisfaction forever. Kind of crazy. That's a little intense, I'll admit. Um, (laughs) And again, the point here is not to throw this in the trash. But the point here is that if you do not take charge of your phone, it will quickly take charge of you. And so I encourage you, I implore you to not allow your phone to be your shepherd. But you be in charge of it and let the Lord be in charge of you. Amen? All right. Third and final thing the Lord is offering us in Psalm 23. He is offering us a feast. And the spiritual practice to take hold of this is Scripture before phone. Another one from Justin Early. In verse 5 of Psalm 23, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's a fascinating picture. Uh, You can imagine a person running uh, in a dangerous situation, maybe running from enemies. He comes by the tent of this shepherd, and the shepherd, surprisingly, says, Whoa, hold on, drags out a table, brings out some dishes, spreads the table, and says, Let's eat. Come. Come eat with me. Come feast rather surprising, but I believe it is exactly what God wants to do for us each and every day. Friends, our lives are lived in the presence of enemies. The world is a dangerous place and it is not getting better. There is an enemy of our souls who hates the good shepherd and hates every one of his sheep. And Jesus says in John 10 that that enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Every day you live your life in the presence of of enemies, if we believe what the Bible says about spiritual warfare and the fact that we live in the midst of spiritual battle, we live in the presence of enemies. And every day, our good shepherd prepares for us a feast. How often do we just walk by and miss it? In Matthew 4, 
Jesus tells Satan when he tempts him, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Later in John 6, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, he says that not only is he the word of God, but he is also the bread of life. Y'all, Jesus himself is the feast that God has prepared for you. He himself is that feast. He is what our souls need to live and what God has supernaturally provided in order for us to feast upon. And we find him by the power of his spirit in his word. This is a feast that God has spread for us every day. And yet how often do we actually start our day? right? Rather than a feast of God's presence and goodness and provision, we pick up the moldy crust of anxiety, comparison, performance, division, and hate. Why would we ever choose that over this? So the final discipline or practice that I'd like to recommend to you and put before you today uh, is scripture before phone. How does that work? Well, it's pretty simple. You don't open this till you open this. Now, maybe you're saying, well, I use my phone for an alarm. I use it to tell time. I got to check the weather, you know, all that stuff. That's great. I get it. I do too. Uh, but this is what this discipline looks like for me. So at night, I set my alarm on my phone and um, unfortunately, I have to put it on the other side of the room um, because if I don't, I will hit snooze 25 times. Um, I still do hit snooze two or three times, uh, which is impressive because it's on the other side of the room. <laughs> so after I've gotten out of bed in the morning for the third time, uh, I finally turn the alarm off and uh, make my way to the bathroom, down the stairs, and then I take my phone and I put it in a drawer. And out of that drawer, I pull my good old analog watch so I know what time it is. Um, and then I grab my Bible and I grab my journal um, and I open up the feast that the Lord has prepared for me. And I look to him as my shepherd to lead me and guide me through the day. Um, my day starts seeking his rest and his presence in the feast that he has prepared. Now, do I do that without fail every day? Absolutely not. I'm far, far from perfect. Am I trying to burden you with more stuff to just try and fail at? Certainly not. That's why I've, I've specifically called them practices, because we're all trying and failing and trying again. These are, um, these are practices, ways to weave uh, more space into your life for the Lord. And notice, too, that each of the things I've put before you today is not a discipline of addition, but subtraction. It's not trying to add more on you. It's trying to take things away from you. Make space in your room for, or in your life for what matters. This is what we were made for. For resting and feasting and delighting in the presence of God forever. That's where we're headed. That's what can get us through our days. That is this feast that the psalmist is talking about that can satisfy even in dark places, even in the presence of enemies. 
The Lord is offering himself and his presence to us. And so friends, the reason I'm saying all this is because, um, as I said at the beginning, I think so many of us like the idea of the Lord as our shepherd, but we don't really believe it. We don't really want to follow him or allow him to speak into our lives and guide us and to say, no, don't go that way. Go this way. And the reality is that so much of how we can follow the Lord or not comes down to the little habits that make up our days. Our, your life is essentially the sum of your habits. The little things you do every day become a day, and then a week, and then a month, and then a year, and then you've lived your whole life. And those little things you did every day are who you are becoming. And so I pray and I hope that you'd think about uh, who you're becoming what voices you're allowing to speak into your life and how you might make more room for the good shepherd to be the strongest and the most powerful voice in your ears. Friends, I believe in 2024, the Lord is longing to be our shepherd, for us to really let him be our shepherd. And so my question to you today is, will you allow him to do that for you? Will you make room for him? Will you open your hands and make time to receive the gifts of his rest, his presence, and a feast? He's offering that to you today. Let's pray. Well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our good shepherd, that you would love us so much to, um, to come after us to pursue us. Uh, Lord, I think about uh, in Luke chapter 15 where um, you talk about the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go after the one that's lost. Lord, you've done that for us. You've brought us back to yourself. And Lord, we don't want to be uh, senseless and crazy sheep just running around chaotically trying to figure things out and make things happen on our own. We want to be um, people who surrender and submit to you and your leadership who make space and time to hear your voice. Oh, Lord Jesus, there's nothing we need more than you, than your voice, good shepherd. And so I pray for every one of us that by the power of your spirit, you'd speak to us now and that you'd show us how we can begin to change some things in our lives in order to allow you to be our good shepherd this year. Thank you that you desire to be that for us. We love you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.